In today's show, we're going to talk about DeAndre Ayton. He's back in Phoenix. Donovan Mitchell potential trades and going through some numbers, some t- statistical, statistical, statistical correlations for fantasy points leagues and for category leagues. It's all coming up after Mickey Bolton does his thing. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm going to bang through some news to start off this show, because there were some interesting things that happened in the NBA over the last couple of days. And then the back half, last two-thirds of this show, we're going to be looking at correlations. Yesterday, I talked about rankings and how misleading they can be and the differences between 8 and 9 cat and per game and total and how you evaluate all that sort of stuff. What I'm going to talk about with correlations is in terms of just how things match together, which ones influence other categories, how those two things tie together. You might extrapolate that into punch strategies, but it's also going to be important for points leagues as well. So we're going to talk about that in the second half of this show, but Warney, he wants me to do it. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. News. DeAndre Ayton is back in Phoenix. He did sign a four-year, $133 million offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers, this whole thing has felt screwed up. They should have. They were apparently trying sign and trades that wouldn't go down. The paces. The paces. I don't know why they devalue Miles Turner so much. I think Miles Turner is probably a better player than DeAndre Ayton personally. But that that is tough. Uh, well, not tough. That's tight to, to decide. You know, you can go either way on that. And I don't mind any argument to say that Ayton's better. In fact, maybe Ayton is better, just a little bit younger. But acquiring him, you don't have any trade for Turner lined up. You've got Isaiah Jackson, who showed a lot last season. Didn't really understand the fit. What are you trying to do? Advance your timeline to be the eighth seed again? Like, is Halliburton and Aiton and Matherine, are they leading you to a top four Eastern Conference, Eastern Conference Finals type appearance? Almost undoubtedly no, I would say. So I don't really get why they were doing that when they had Miles Turner there, and they could have just started to build it with guys like Jackson as well. But that's beside the point. No sign and trade was able to be worked out. So they said, screw it, we're doing an offer sheet. And that meant they had to waive guys, guys they acquired in the Brogdon deal. Fitz, Stauskas, Morgan, they don't really mean that much. But they also waived a guy who played really well for them last season and Dwayne Washington Jr. So he's gone. All right, he's out of there. And they signed the deal. Aiton was talking, he was agreed to the deal. He hadn't signed it yet, giving the Suns a little bit of last minute time to organize a sign and trade. Then he signed it. Woj was out here saying it's going to take until you know the full 48 hours to get matched. And about an hour after that, Shams just tweeted, no, nah, it's been matched. So Aiton goes back to Phoenix. Now, DeAndre Aiton cannot be traded until January the 15th now. He has veto power on any team he's traded to. So even if they decide to trade him, he can choose where he wants to go. But he cannot choose to go to Indiana at the trade deadline. He can't be traded to the Pacers for a full year now. He doesn't want to be in Phoenix. Him and Monty Williams had massive issues throughout 
the playoffs. It feels like Phoenix weren't prioritizing him before last season. At the end of this season, obviously, with no extension and then no offer and all this stuff. And he was going to go back and try and mend bridges. What a complete mess of a scenario. This has been, I think it's been poorly handled by both of these teams. Oh, the other thing it does is it takes DeAndre Ayton off the table for any sign and trade discussions in a Kevin Durant deal. Makes that a lot harder for Phoenix to do. It's just a complete, complete mess at this point. As for what it does for DeAndre Ayton and fantasy value, well, probably the same as last season. No really, no real chance to expand his options and improve his minutes or improve his usage or anything like that. In fact, you'd probably say that given the animosity or the acrimony in the relationship, that maybe he sees fewer touches or fewer minutes. I don't know. That's a possibility. I don't think that's good for him. Just a complete disaster situation. Just updating that Donovan Mitchell is apparently on the move and everything seems to point towards the Knicks being the team. We don't have any particulars on that, so I'm not going to dive into the ramifications of how that works. Although I will say that if it is a Brunson-Mitchell backcourt, it's pretty rough. And that potential Brunson breakout, if Barrett and Randall are still on that team, Brunson's the fourth offensive option. Like His numbers get significantly worse, I think, from where they were last season, if that's the case. What you've got to watch for is if Mitchell does move, who moves back? Is it quickly? Is it Quentin Grimes, who I think has been really, really good this summer and had a real chance to supplant Ivan Fournier as the starter? Does Fournier move back? So that's people who are interested, hey, Josh, can you do a mock draft where you're ranking these guys? People who are doing drafts now, it's insane to me because the Aiton situation here, now what happens with Miles Turner? What happens with Mitchell? The Utah team is just, there's still plenty of deals that can go down. We don't know what the hell is happening with KD and Kyrie. And these are things you say, oh, that only affects one team, but it actually doesn't. It's probably going to impact you know, nine, 10 teams. Now I am starting to do projections, but I'm trying to keep it to the teams that aren't probably going to be involved in these deals. But so much is going to change for so many different teams over the next you know, four weeks, probably three to four weeks that, yeah, producing value and rankings and all that sort of stuff now, I think is a waste of time because a lot's gonna, there's going to be massive, massive changes with big names, KD, Kyrie, Mitchell, maybe Turner, maybe Gordon Haywood, maybe Boyan Bogdanovich, maybe Mike Conley, who knows? A bunch of different guys who can change teams with opportunities opening up in other spots. Some other injury news. EJ Liddell tore his ACL for the Pelicans in Summer League, so obviously he's not going to be playing this season, would be the guess. Chris Middleton had wrist surgery. The expectation is that he'll be back at the start of the season, but yeah, maybe not. The thing I look at with this with Middleton is could that push him into a Pascal Siakam-type fantasy draft scenario where Siakam was falling to some 70s and 90s because he entered the season with that upper body injury. And then, of course, he, he rolled and he was like top 30 when he came back. This might push Middleton down, especially if it is, he is going to miss those first week or two of the season and think there's a big discount there. The other one is Lonzo Ball, and I'm really, really worried about where Lonzo Ball fits. The interview with Goran Dragic in a Slovenian website, I think it was, saying that he had an offer for Dallas, and Dallas was like, we want you to play one out of every five games or so and take rests. And he's like, oh, no, I, I know that I can still play 20 minutes or so, um, so I accepted an offer with Chicago. So what that means is, to me, that the assumption there is that Chicago offered him every night rotation minutes, which, considering the team has Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Alex Caruso, Aya Desunmu, and Kobe White, something's going on there. That's six guard players. That's six players who are guards, and that's not including DeRozan, who's exclusively a Ford, Javonte Green, who realistically is a guard as well, and their first-round pick, Dalen Terry. So either this means that Kobe White is out of there, 
possible. Or Lonzo Ball's knee is still a massive, massive, massive doubt considering he had that issue crop up in January and it just doesn't seem to be getting better. And they are not like, we are here, he's coming back in camp, he is ready to go. It's like, oh, maybe progress is good, things are happening. I, I, I would not be shocked. And that's very different to a wrist surgery from Middleton. Whereas a wrist surgery, like, all right, he'll be back. A knee surgery, if they say he's missing the first two weeks of the season and it's still not right, there's, I think there's no way I would draft him unless it's like pick 120 because that lower body shitting lingers. Back-to-backs get missed, lower minutes, recurrence of this injury. It's already recurred like three times in the last few months or whatever it is. Like that is one where I'm saying, no, thank you. And then that changes the value of Levine, Caruso, uh, Desunmu, uh, maybe even Kobe White. But there's still, there's too many guards on that team and I don't know how it's all going to work out. So that gives us, I guess, where we are with um, with the Bulls and some updates across the NBA. But if you want other updates, betonline.net is clearly, clearly your number one spot to go and do that. Your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including Major League Baseball. You've got soccer stuff over there. There's so much stuff going on with Bet Online that you're going to be absolutely amazed. At the moment, there's odds there for summer league games. The Nets and the Wolves playing tonight. The Nets are five and a half point favorites. And I couldn't even tell you whether that's a good line or not because I reckon if you're betting on summer league games, you probably want to not do that. But here we go. If you want to do it, Bet Online has all that information that you have. It's the fastest and easiest way to check on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online, of course, is where the game starts. I'm going to talk fantasy correlation. I'm not a statistical genius. I'm not, I don't have any massive advanced statistical degrees or anything like that, but I do know how a few little things work. And what we're going to be looking at here is a simple statistical um, formula, which you can work out correlation. R, the R number, R correlation, right? That just, that's all it is. And what it does is it tells you the relationship between two variables, or two numbers, two sets of data. So when it can either be positive one is the highest or negative one is the lowest. Zero means there is no correlation. So if one thing's high and another thing's low, it doesn't mean that that's because of that factor. It means there's absolutely no relationship between those two. If it's a, a, the number's one, that means that the correlation is perfect. That means that these things directly influences and changes, changes that number. If it's a negative one, it means that is a, per, a perfect relationship that an increase in one number means a decrease in the, the other number in, in, the, in the same level. All right, so we're working from negative one to one. And I think this is important to look at where correlation lies in fantasy basketball. If you're at 0.9 correlation, whether that's positive or negative, just, it just changes direction, that's an extraordinarily good correlation. 0.7 is quite a strong correlation between those numbers. So you can look at those two things and go, wow, these things in general give us a good relationship between the two numbers. And we can say that, yes, if one of these is, is a positive and increases, then the other one will increase as well. Anything below like a 0.5 is a pretty weak correlation. And the closer you to get, get to zero is that, yes, there is a small relationship between these two numbers, but nothing that's really statistically significant. And that's where we talk, we're talking fantasy points leagues, we're going to talk category leagues as well. So when we're looking at what categories influence other categories, how they work together, how which categories you clump together. So if you target a player who gets rebounds, what other categories normally come along with that? 
And which other ones are, are sort of independent and more player-specific? And I think some of the findings, which ties into, spoiler alert, the show we did yesterday about the impact that turnovers have on rankings and how I like to take that out of the, the uh, equation because of the negative impact across other areas, which we'll talk about in a second. But that's how we're going to go through it. So we'll start by looking at Yahoo points leagues and correlation. Now, I don't need to come in here and tell you that you know, if you score more points, that gives you more fantasy points. If you get more assists, you get more fantasy points. Because, yes, obviously, because a point in real basketball is worth a fantasy point. A point in real basketball is worth one and a half fantasy points for Yahoo standard scoring. So, obviously, those things are perfectly aligned, realistically. The more assists you get, the more fantasy points you get. That is, it is a simple one-to-one relationship. Right? We know that that's, that's as straightforward as it gets. But there's two things that I think were important to look at, and that was usage and minutes. And I, I did this from a sample size of the top 200 players on a per-game basis in fantasy points leagues last season. The correlation was pretty strong here. Fantasy points... And usage had a 0.7 correlation. That's pretty good. Meaning that when we're looking at fantasy points production and fantasy points drafts, higher usage players in general are going to produce more fantasy points. And while that might seem obvious to you, it's, as you'll see in a second, it's not so, it's not that obvious. If you don't know what usage is, be aware, what usage does not mean how much you have the ball in your hands. It does not mean how many dribbles you take. It does not mean how many passes you distribute. Usage means how many possessions you end. And there are only three ways to end a possession in the NBA. You take a shot, you take a free throw, or you turn the ball over. And that is all usage is. Field goal attempt, free throw attempt, or turnover. It's how often you end your team's possession. You might dribble the ball for 23 seconds, pass it off to someone who hits a catch-and-shoot jumper. They get the usage percentage for that, not you, even though you orchestrated the entire play clock. So be aware of that. So the, the correlation between fantasy points and usage is pretty high. So when you're looking at players and you're trying to work out which one do I get, usage is a good indicator. A better indicator, which again shouldn't be a surprise, is minutes. The more minutes you get, the more fantasy points you get. 0.72 is the correlation there. And at the end of this show, I'm going to go through what my highest correlations were and what the lowest correlations were across all of this. But fantasy points to usage and fantasy points to minutes, really strong correlations. That's important to know. So in general, fantasy points, hey, who's getting more usage? Who's getting more minutes? That is a good indicator to you to grab those players. Again, I don't think that's completely, um, I don't know, completely surprising. But this next part might be, because we're going to talk category leagues. And I did this again, the top 200 players. I couldn't do fantasy points, but I did fantasy rank. Um, and did the correlation between fantasy rank and minutes. Now, the numbers are going to come out here as negative because, number one, you know, the, the, the better you are, the lower the number becomes. So the more minutes you get means the higher fantasy rank that you get, or, you know, or, or the, the better number. And that correlation was really strong, negative 0.75. Remember, the further away from zero you are, the stronger the correlation, whether that's in a positive or negative way. So a negative 
between minutes and fantasy rank is pretty high. But for category leagues, the correlation between fantasy rank and usage is there is no correlation. Negative 0.02. That is very close to zero, meaning usage doesn't actually impact what your fantasy rank is because we have all those different categories. So it's not about let's pick the highest usage players. That is not how fantasy basketball in category leagues will, seems to work based on the data from last season. In fact, that is one of the, if not, if not the lowest absolute correlation between anything that I looked at. And to me, that was a bit of a surprise. I didn't expect, I expected it to be not as high as it was in points leagues and not as high as the correlation in minutes. I didn't expect it to be basically no correlation at all between fantasy rank and usage. Did not expect that. All right, I'm going to put a bunch of numbers up on the screen over the next 15 minutes. Just talking about the correlation for each individual category. Category leagues. We're looking at the points category. You can see all the numbers there. How do points and threes correlate? Points and rebounds, points and assists. The big one to take into consideration there is points and turnovers. 0.71. The more points you get, the more turnovers you get. So in terms of fantasy value there, the more points you get, the worse you are in the turnover category. One of the highest correlations, negative 0.71. The same correlation between points and turnovers, basically that you get between fantasy points and minutes or fantasy rank and uh, minutes. Very similar numbers. So meaning that the players who score more points get way more turnovers, meaning it's very hard to be super competitive in both points and turnovers. The other strong correlations were points and threes, 0.51. Points and assists, interestingly, 0.55. Whereas things like points and blocks, points and field goal percentage, points and steals, quite low. But points and threes, points and assists, and points and turnovers, all tied together. Points and threes, obviously, because threes are points. But points and assists and points and turnovers, interesting tied together there for me. The three-pointer category. All right, so where there is some interesting numbers here as well. Points and threes we talked about already, but there is a strong correlation between more threes and low field goal percentage. It's a negative zero point six three, so it doesn't cross our negative or our point seven you know, sort of cutoff where I think that's that's really starting to get more significant. Um, but it is interesting there. That's a so the higher your threes. The lower chance, the lower your field goal percentage tends to be to a to a degree. Not fully at that. This is a really really important number, but it is it is there. Yeah, the other correlations aren't that strong. Points and rebounds negative point three six. Yeah, more threes, less rebounds. Threes and assists point three two. It's correlated, but pretty weakly. Threes and blocks negative point seven. They're negatively correlated, but pretty weakly. Threes and turnovers negative point three one. The more threes, more turnovers, but very weakly correlated as well. So the takeaway to me there is that threes in field goal percentage, going for, to be strong in both of those categories, probably makes that harder to do, although that is not a strong, strong correlation. Rebounds. Not, not much that really stands out. None of them above 0.6. The highest correlation is rebounds and blocks at 0.54 and rebounds and field goals at 0.46. So they're sort of correlated. One of the most interesting finds I had was that rebounds and assists, there's zero correlation at all. 0.02, negative. So an absolute marginal, marginal negative. Meaning that you get you can be competitive in rebounds and assists if you, if you want to. Like they, they don't cancel each other out. 
Getting high rebounds doesn't mean that you get low assists. It doesn't mean that you get high assists, but it doesn't mean that you get low assists. So one of the lowest correlations between rebounds and assists, didn't expect that. Everything else is sort of weakly correlated in the rebound category. I'm going to come through and do the rest of those. Oh, might as well just do them right now. I don't know what I'm talking about. So let's go on and do assists. And you'll see some interesting correlations. Assist to points, 0.55. We talked about that, but... The single biggest, you know what I'm going to say, the single biggest correlation is assists and turnovers, 0.83. The more assists you get, the more turnovers you get in a statistical, statistically significant manner. Meaning, at this, and this is part of the crux of my discussion when talking about having turnovers mixed in with the rankings there as well because it does tend to skew things, because it is very, very hard. It's getting very close to impossible to be very good at one and very good at both of those, because the more assists you get, the more turnovers you get. That is just the statistical correlation, unless you get really lucky and are super strategic. And again, luck is a huge factor. Those two things have the largest statistical correlation between any of the nine categories, including fantasy points and usage, fantasy points and minutes, rank and usage, rank and minutes. All of these things that I did, the single biggest positive or negative correlation, the closest to one we got was assists and turnovers together. They are diametrically opposed. One goes up, the other goes up. The fantasy value of one goes up, the fantasy value of the other goes down. That is the strongest correlation there is. So when you punt assists and you don't care about assists, your turnovers rise. When you get your assists up, your, oh, sorry, your, turnover, uh, your turnovers drop. When your assists go up, your turnovers go up. That is the correlation. There are always going to be outliers. That is true. But this is the number one highest correlated pairing of, of um, categories. What I thought was pretty interesting. The next thing that's really interesting is steals. I can go through some other things. Assists and steals, sort of correlated, not bad. Everything else, pretty weak. But assists and steals got some correlation. And we sort of know that. Although, when we talk steals, it's, so, it's all over the place. The highest correlation in steals is with assists, and that's 0.48, not particularly strong. It's 0.15 with points, 0.17 with threes, 0.09 with rebounds. So really, when we're looking at steals and turnovers, 0.37, when we're looking at steals, they're not really correlated to being a big man stat or a little guy stat or one that works in with a threes and assists build or one that works with a field goals and rebounds build. They're sort of all over the place. So I don't really know at this point whether steals can be considered a, a guard stat or a small ball build necessarily. Because there's just that that the correlation with assists is okay. It's not great. And with everything else, it just doesn't really it doesn't really fit. I guess the thing what we can look at there is it is negatively correlated with field goals and blocks, so it does push you a little bit towards guards. But the, the, there's no positive correlation, or there's very marginal with points, with with threes. Um, and with free throw percentage. I would have expected those numbers to be much higher, but they are not. They are very weakly correlated with steals. Blocks has got a few more that are a bit higher. Blocks and threes are negatively correlated, negative 0.47. Blocks and rebounds is positive at 0.54. Blocks and field goals is 0.48, but nothing particularly strong. Blocks and turnovers, basically no correlation at all there. Blocks and points, basically no correlation at all. Steals and blocks, one of the lowest, 0.1, negative. So your blocks 
push in with rebounds, they push in with field goal percentage, and they and they negatively push in with threes. And they're also negatively correlated with free throws. So if you are going with good blocks, you get field goals, you get rebounds, but you're low on threes and you're low as free throws. But again, not really hugely statistically significant. Field goal percentage. How does that correlate? Well, there are a couple of big ones here. Field goals and free throws have a negative 0.53 correlation, meaning it is quite difficult to be good at both percent percentages. Not percentages, percentages. Zero, negative 0.53. It's not impossible, but it's not easy. Field goals and threes, negative 0.63. And one thing you'll notice here that field goal percentage negatively correlates with points, with threes, with assists, with steals, and with free throws. So there's five there. And they're all, apart from points, they're all relatively statistically significant. They're not fully pushing the 0.7, but they're all decent numbers. As your field goal percentage gets higher, though, your turnovers get lower, again, to a small degree, negative 0.26. That's to a small degree. It's not that significant. With free throw percentage, again, there's a couple of strong ones. The field goal free throws we talked about. Field, free throws and rebounds is a negative 0.46, so higher free throws, lower rebounds. Higher free throws, higher threes at 0.47. Higher free throws, lower blocks at negative 0.39. But nothing that's, only one that's pushing past 0.5. And again, one of the takeaways we should be getting from this is that a lot of the, while we like to group things together with the way the NBA is being played at the moment, there are very few categories like this which are tightly correlated where it's just a simple, like we'll get these guys and we'll get these categories. That's why it's more important to me almost uh, then you're looking at positions or looking at well big man or small man versus like what are the guy what's the guy do like is Jokic a big man like he's sort of not is Doncic a guard like he's sort of not but he sort of is and and that makes this really interesting and the last one is turnovers which has two of the strongest correlations out there turnovers and points 0.71 one of the highest ones turnovers and assists the absolute highest correlation you have high turn you you have low turnovers you will have low points and low assists. It's also a correlation with steals, rebounds, and threes. So if you have high turnovers, you will have low points, low threes, low rebounds, low assists, low steals, with the big correlations being points and assists. The other, the other ones are smaller, but they're all positively correlated. Turnovers are negatively correlated, marginally, with blocks and with field goal percentage. But with free throws, they're a positive as well. So there is a positive correlation with eight, uh, sorry, not eight, with seven categories, uh, six categories, what am I talking about? Six categories with turnovers. And two of them give you that negative number, which in, in this case with turnovers, because turnovers is a negative category, uh, that the negative becomes a positive. So low turnovers, high, high blocks, low turnovers, high field goal, but they are really, really lowly associated. Really lowly associated. So which, of everything that I looked at, what had the highest correlation? Assists to turnovers at 0.83, the most tightly correlated combination that we looked at. The next one was fantasy rank and minutes for category leagues. The next one was fantasy points and minutes. And the next one was points and turnovers. You see why I talk about, I think turnovers skews value of players. It is so tightly correlated towards points and assists in two of the biggest four correlations across everything we looked at. After that, it's fantasy points and usage. So minutes really important there 
And negatively, turnover is really important. After that, the next highest is threes in field goals, which is a negative. The higher threes, the lower your field goals. Makes those things hard to pair together. Points and assists is a, is a decently strong positive. The more points you get, you tend to be more competitive in assists. Meaning if you are punting assists, it does become a little bit harder to keep yourself away from punt points. So be aware of that. And rebounds and blocks, a relatively strong correlation as well. 0.54, but again, usually we're looking at 0.7 and over. But 0.54 rebounds and blocks means there is correlation there. Um, and lastly, what about the lowest? Where is there just no, no apparent relationship across the top 200 players from last season? Rebounds and assists, no correlation. One could go up, one could go down, one could go up, one, the other could go up, both could go down. No correlation. Re- fantasy rank and usage for category leagues, no correlation. Rebounds and steals, 0.09 negative, basically no correlation. Steals and blocks, not correlated. Blocks and turnovers, interestingly, barely a correlation. P- points and blocks, no correlation. Points and field goal percentage, which I thought would be more t- uh, closely tied together. Negative 0.13. So the higher points, lower field goal percentage, but statistically insignificant. And steals and free throw percentage, 0.15. So higher steals leads to higher free throws, but it's really, really low. It's a really low correlation. I thought all that stuff was really interesting. Getting some of those numbers out there, points and turnovers, assists and turnovers, the importance of minutes and usage in points leagues, the lack of importance of usage in category leagues. I thought that's important to get out there. I'm going to do some more work with correlating stuff, which ties into some numbers that aren't traditional fantasy categories and see if we can get something that we look at that makes more sense or that we can maybe get a hidden advantage and try and tie that into Dynasty. I don't know when I'll do that because it'll take a bit more time. But I thought this just gives us a little bit of a baseline of how this stuff all correlates across and how we can use that to our advantage or what we need to pay attention to. Thanks for making the show again, your first listen. But after you're done with this, go check out Locked On NBA. It's a 30-minute recap every day. It can be your second listen every day of everything going on in the NBA. And I'm sure they're going to be covering Donovan Mitchell and now the DeAndre Ayton news as well. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, you know what to do. Thumb it up and drop your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.